Good morning, good morning, good morning. My name is Dan Waltzman. I am the host, and you are live with us on Edgy Perspectives. We're excited to have you here today, and um, a couple pieces of housekeeping before we get going too fast and furiously here. All of this will be recorded, as you just heard, so uh, at the end of the show, I will send around all of the um, recording for you. You can share it, listen into it later, put it on your iPod. I'm sure all of you want to do that while you're running. You know, just listen to an edgy perspective show. We're not, but that's okay. We make it available to you. As well, I'll be taking notes while Lisa and Todd uh, tell us uh, everything you want to know about how to get more business from existing customers. And for a moment, I'd like to share with you our our sponsor, Thompson Coburn, is an amazing law firm here in downtown Washington, D.C., that is helping startups and small businesses all over the country. Jeff Craven leads their corporate team. It truly is a um, an amazing uh, advocate for small businesses. Uh, at the end of the show, I'll tell you about a special offer that we make every week on behalf of Jeff. And so hang with us for that. Okay, all, all the housekeeping is out of the way. Let's jump in. Todd, hello. Good morning, sir. Dan, how are you, my friend? I'm looking forward to this one. I actually don't want to talk. I just want to listen to Lisa teach me. Well, I, I want to listen to Lisa too. I, when she called me a couple weeks ago for this um, this this topic, I think I was driving through the mountains of Knoxville or something on my way to a meeting, and uh, and I said so we we got the details worked out and we traded a couple emails. And I said, all right, you got to tell us all about it. Um, for all of you listening, uh, this month in Edge Perspectives, we're really excited to have Lisa Magnuson uh, join us today. She's the founder of a company called Topline Sales. And she has a unique craft. Uh, there's a lot of sales trainers out in the marketplace, but she has this really fo- uh, core focus on helping you land more business from existing customers. Take customers that you're really that are really happy with you. Uh, she's going to tell us more about this because I could be wrong, and turn them into big deals. And a, um, a recent accomplishment she told me about was how she was able to help one of her customers get. $45 million in new business from from one client. So cool. they had a customer who was able to get $45, $45 million. So I think that had my attention. So Lisa, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So let's jump in for all of you listening. And Now, uh, let's separate the wheat from the chaff. Because, and I, as Lisa and you and I were talking a few minutes ago, I, I, there's advocates of referral selling. And basically what they teach you is, when you have a business and you do a happy, and you have a happy customer, uh, you should ask them for referrals, and they should send you lots of people that you should do business with. Uh, is is that what you're talking about, or it sounds like you're not advocating that at all? You're talking about something different, right? I am talking about something different, although I absolutely am an advocate for referral selling. Referral selling works, and um, it's probably the best way to get new clients. Um, and you know you should everybody should have an active referral strategy. However, what I'm talking about is getting more business from your existing customers. And I don't mean your all of your existing customers. I mean your best customers. So what do you need to do? What resources do you need to line up? What strategies do you need to have in place to get more business from those from those best customers that have that potential? And um, I like to say it's the easiest sale you'll ever make because it is. So 
you're not talking about getting referrals external to the company, uh, although you, that's a good way to get new customers. You believe that businesses can grow themselves, grow new revenue, just from their existing customers. I do. I do. There's a wealth of opportunity right there with those customers that you already have that may not be that that you if you're not focused on it you may be missing those opportunities and so yes I believe you can grow your business uh, substantially by by putting some focus around those existing customers. Todd, weigh in on this. Todd, weigh in on this a little, because you and I have talked about the churn and burn, right? So many companies are focused on new, 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 that they kind of step on the necks of their existing customers. They don't provide outrageously good customer service. They don't treat their customers like human beings, as you say. Uh, what do you think? Do you think? Do you think this is a viable concept? I think it's an amazing concept. I mean, Lisa, when I hear you say that, it sounds almost stupidly obvious. Of course, that makes all the sense in the world. But yet, I feel like so many organizations are doing it. Dan, as you and I have talked over the years, there's every day there's a new book on sales published, and, and it's a lot of the messaging is the same. Here's how to use social media to help you sell. Well, that a lot of that leads to trying to identify new opportunities. And, and Lisa, what sounds like you're saying is that you can have a very profitable business by getting existing customers to buy in again. That's, I mean, that's a, a very, very stable foundation of a sales strategy, but it seems like too many organizations fail to even think on it. That's right. That's right. You've got this great captive audience that, you know, social media and all those things that we do to generate leads and awareness and mind share, I mean, those are all good and important and necessary, but, but you've got this captive audience that you've already got their attention. You already have their mind share. So you're so far ahead in terms of your expansion sales process with them, and you're right. Companies all day, every day overlook this this source of revenue. So let me let me let me let me jump in and play uh, the bad guy here, Lisa. Does this work for any company? I mean, let's say I sell lawnmowers. I mean, and that's all I sell. Uh, and I'm on this call, and I'm thinking, dude, I only sell lawnmowers. How does this help me? So does this work for any business? Have you seen it work for some businesses better than others? Yeah, you know, I would say, you know, sort of the business-to-business -business space is, is probably more, uh, you know, it works better in that space. Companies that, that have larger customers with, with expansion opportunities, I mean, that's where the stuff, you know, fits. However, even small businesses have large customers. So, you know, I work with some very large clients that are trying to land large clients, you know, names that you would know like Amazon, FedEx, Microsoft, that kind of thing. But I also work with small companies that they, can't, they have opportunities to expand with their biggest customers. And those might be customers that nobody's ever heard of, but they have expansion opportunities. So what you're saying is that um, it, it, this mainly works. I heard you say best for B2B, especially when that last B is uh, someone who is a larger client or emerging emerging clients. Uh, but it, it, especially if you're going after, if you're targeting uh, opportunities that are bigger, this should work for anyone generally in that B2B space. And maybe a sprinkling of B2C if uh, if you're selling a product that has some sort of repeat. Yeah, you know, maybe a repeat opportunity, something like that. Um, any, any industries, or is this cross industries? This 
business cross industries, and it's interesting because you know some of the mid-sized companies, uh, like healthcare as an example, they have, you know, they will land large clients, uh, and and they have resources that do service those existing clients, but they're not sales resources. And you find this. I'm just using healthcare as an example. You find it across many industries. So. You know, they they do have people that are doing a good job of taking care of the clients, but they don't necessarily have that eye on expansion. And so, yes, you have satisfied customers, but you don't necessarily have you don't you haven't been able to monetize the 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 revenue opportunities that are that are there. I run into that all the time. Well, Lisa, go deeper on that. Go deeper on that. I, I would think, all right, well, how do I do this? Okay, I take really good care and really serve my customer well. And if I do that, then just naturally they're going to buy again. Sounds like there's more to it than that. Talk about the strategy behind, uh, it, in addition to just serving them well. So, I mean, if you dig deeper on that, basically what you find is, you know, Salespeople go through their sales process, and at the same time they're going through their sales process, the customer is going through their buying process. And so you get to the end when that contract is signed. And what a lot of salespeople and or companies don't realize is that expansion phase of the sales cycle, that last phase, is, I mean, you basically start fresh. And so there's a whole sales cycle inside of that expansion phase that's required to capitalize on, on, on that contract. And it's a different dynamic, but it's an easier dynamic because during the sales cycle, you know, you have competitors, you're trying to establish value, the customer may or may not be committed to buy, they might be on the fence, you know, and, and, but in the expansion phase, the customer, all is there, they're all, they are assessing value. They've already made that decision. They're already aligned with you. So all they're doing is constantly assessing, you know, the value that you're providing. Well, if you channel that, if you understand that and channel it and put the right resources in place and put the right strategies in place and put the right infrastructure in place, then you can capitalize on, you can, you can really control their perception of the value you're providing and you can capitalize on, all the opportunity that exists within, within that customer, and it so so you so you you said some really brilliant things in there, and I heard a, a lot of buzzwords and, and not buzzwords that um, uh, intentionally, just I think at a, at a high level. Um, talk about some of the pieces of this that that, that can be really helpful to the, to to those listening. Um, is this really uh, outrageous customer service plus kind of like what Todd mentioned plus proactively looking for new opportunities? Is this yeah. creating new business, helping them grow? I've heard this mentioned several different ways by other experts. What's, are there three or four components of this? It's, it's all of that. I mean, there's not going to be any expansion if you don't have a foundation of customer service. So if the customer, as the customer is assessing that value, if they're not perceiving value, then there is no strategy or expansion. You have to shore that. You know, you have to put the things in place to, to shore that value up. But is there a step by step? Are there are there two or three steps that you would recommend? So if someone's saying right now, if you're looking in your Rolodex at uh, at your customers, and some some on this call might have a thousand customers, 
Uh, I know as, as our marketing firm, as a high-end marketing firm, we have fewer customers because we do very specialized work and we charge lots and lots of money. So we have fewer customers. So you're right. We want to, we, we want to, for us, doubling our business is amazing inside a company, right? Uh, what, are they, what are the things that someone should do right now? And by the way, I'll say this for those of you who are listening. Lisa has a book on Amazon that just launched a week ago. So uh, some of this she's written about. Um, so if you want more detail, you can go buy that. But um, what, are the, what are the things, what are the few steps that people on the call should be doing right now to do this? Well, the first thing that you do is, is you figure out and help the customer quantify what value they expect. And so, you know, you can use tools to do that like you might use in the sales cycle. You know, some, a lot of people use like an ROI type analysis or tool, help the customer with that as, as part, of the, part of the sales cycle. Or maybe it's just a simple kind of a cost justification. Well, those same kinds of things come up as some of the first steps in the, in the expansion phase as well. So what, what is the customer looking for in terms of value and, and really quantifying that and getting on the same page with them? So there's no myth there. The second thing is who is the customer team? A lot of times people make mistakes and they, you know, there's one maybe point of contact and it's sort of that day-to-day -day contact and, you know, so, so the, the company puts all their eggs in that one basket. But rarely is that the case. There's the person, there's an executive sponsor, there might be um, people that, that need to be, ha you know, have updates on what's going on. There might, be all, there might be people that are actually using the product or service and, and, and their input and opinions absolutely count and weigh in. There might be, you know, departments that are like power departments that you have to identify. So who is that team on the customer side? Who are the people that are going to come into contact with your products or services? The obvious ones and the not so obvious ones and identifying that team, and then, and then aligning your team to their team. And, you know, Dan, we were laughing before the show started because if you're a small company, you might identify, you know, four or five or six people on the client side, and you may have to, you know, put on different hats and play three or four of those roles because you might only have a couple resources on your side. But the point is that you identify it and you, and, and you do the matchup, whether, you know, whether you whether you have to play put on different hats or, or, or not, you make sure you are matching their team, including that executive cultivation. Um, and then the third piece is you have to put the infrastructure in place. And this is where a lot of companies kind of miss the mark is 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 they might have an infrastructure in place for customer satisfaction. So they might have you know, they provide education, they provide, you know, tools for the customer, they have a customer satisfaction survey, that kind of thing. But I'm talking about an infrastructure that is both tactical and strategic. So it, it's an infrastructure that can identify opportunities and monitor that delivery of value. And so very specifically, that's going to look different for every customer, but it might look like a monthly meeting, a quarterly plan and review, and an annual executive exchange. And the agendas for those meetings might be, you know, the, the monthly might be 80% tactical, 20% strategic. The quarterly might be 
60% strategic, and the annual executive change might be 98% strategic. So you sort of have programs and processes in place that can identify that value and those opportunities. And so you're just in the catbird seat at that point to capitalize on, on them. That's why it's the easiest sale that you'll ever make, because if you put these things in place, they just naturally occur. Lisa, it sounds like, and I guess let me ask, is it fair to say that the, quote, sales process for most organizations ends when the initial transaction is made? All right, I'm buying, here's the check. And, and most people then go to the CRM and, and change it to closed one and move on and identify the next opportunity, when in fact it sounds like the sales process with that customer is actually just beginning and that you need to be that strategic and there needs to be a continued strategy even after the initial sale is made to continue to advance that relationship, continue to improve communication, continue to educate and teach and train and develop that relationship further. I mean, the sales process goes on and on, it sounds like, right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. And and you know, if you don't if you don't have a deliberate focused approach to it, you might get some business, but you might not. It's it's you you know, you are not going after all there is to get. And what I'm talking about is putting yourself in a position to go after all there is to get because you've got all those pieces in place. And and you know, like I talked about executive cultivation as an example. And Todd, you mentioned, you know, there's tons of books out there, Selling DeVito, all, you know, all the books. How do you get to that executive? How do you get to the C-level? You know, what are the, you know, what do you say to the executive assistant to get put on that calendar? What does that agenda look like? And, you know, there's just, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's all this out there about how to do that, and it's really hard to do, and very few people do it. But in the situation that I'm talking about, you have ready access to, if, if you design a program uh, correctly, you have ready access to those people. They want to meet with you. They want to understand the value that you're delivering. They want to understand additional value you could deliver, and they want to meet the key people in your organization, and they want to do more with you because it's, 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 it costs them less to do more with you than it would to do things with other companies. So you are, all of a sudden, you are on the same page with these people. And it's a completely different dynamic than when you were trying to sell to them. A fascinating discussion, Lisa, so far. Uh, um, thank you, Todd, for asking some key questions there. I, um, I I was furiously writing notes here. I've got five big notes here that I'm going to share with everybody after the call that I took away, what I find so fascinating, so in this process, three steps might be help customers qualify what value they're expecting in the future or would want in the future to put together a list of potential targets, um, whatever, however you call that, names, um, you know, job titles inside the company. And then and the third, which is the big one, is put in place the infrastructure to identify opportunities. I love how you said this is what this might look like, monthly meetings, quarterly reviews, annual executive exchanges. So if you're listening on the call, I think this is this is what's brilliant um, about what Lisa's saying is getting new business, you probably have a process for cold calling people or managing social media or doing some sort of marketing. And what I hear Lisa saying 
is you need a similar process, similar workflow to find new opportunities in your same in the same company. Um, one of my one of my clients is supporting a very large air, aircraft um, maker maker of airplanes, massive, and they recently had problems with batteries and all kinds of issues like this. They were doing a retrofit on a uh, a location and came away with a project that was about a million dollars. Well, upon review, it looked like there are between 20 and 30 of these implementations inside the portfolio of the aircraft manufacturer, right? So what, uh, Lisa, this opportunity is 1 million, is now 30 million. Yep. Uh, tell us about this 40, 45, $44 million uh, contract that you found, how that came together, and then talk to us about these three points, how you kind of pulled all those together. Yeah, uh, the $44 million in, in contracts that, that I worked with um, one of my clients on last year, it was actually three different contracts. Um, one, all of them were expansion um, you know, opportunities, so they were existing customers, and they all were slightly different. I mean, in, in one of the situations, they felt like there was a very, very low likelihood that the customer would continue to do business with them. They did not have that foundation of customer satisfaction. And so, you know, the whole, all the initial efforts were shoring that up. And then once that was sort of shored up, then you could put these layers on top. But the nice thing is those layers, you know, once you sort of put these things in place and you commit to them, that's the key. You, you're, you are committing to something over the long haul. Um, they work very well and they can work very quickly. Um, and so, they fixed the problems that were causing the customer satisfaction issues. We put these things in place, and very quickly the customer started to not only see the value, but to see other places where my client could add value, similar to the to the situation you just described um, with the aerospace uh, uh, vendor. And um, and you know, not only did they retain their business, but they but they grew their business so you know significantly. Um, so, so walk, let me ask you a few questions about that. It sounds like you said uh, that there was, an, there was a problem at this client, and that's where the catalyst for change began. There was a problem. They were actually perhaps not fulfilling the request, and yes. then they turned that around, and not just turned it around, but turned it into lots of business? Turned it into lots of business. Now, the other two were not in that situation. They were, were, they were satisfied customers. But they still had, uh, you know, one of them absolutely had to go to competitive bid. And in sales, nobody likes bids. <laughs> um, you know, the dreaded RFP or request for proposal. But if you have all this in place, then not so dreaded anymore. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, with, with one of them, I have a tool. Um, I've built up a lot of tools over the years that, that – you know, I use, but one of my tools is called a pre-bid success calculator, and and what it actually does is it's very simple. It goes through all the success pieces that that go into a successful bid when you win, and you go through and you answer yes, no. You know, we've either done this or we haven't done this, and how important is it in this situation? It gives you it spits out you know like a probability. And, 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 you know, in that particular situation, because everything was in place, the probability was very high, and that's exactly how it turned out. So, um, you know, you have different scenarios, but this approach can work 
in, in different scenarios. It can work in situations where you don't have optimum customer satisfaction and you have to shore that up. And it can work in situations where you've got very good relationships, but maybe you're not positioned, you know, maybe you don't have that executive sponsorship. You know, this right. can help bring that in so you have all those pieces in place and 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 even if there's a competitive bid, you are positioned to win that bid. I, I really like the con- I, li- I like the story and uh, of, of of the turnaround. I have to tell you, some of our best customers um, that that we've, we we with our clients helping helping clients resolve these issues. What they don't realize many times is some of your worst screw ups can turn into these fantastically brilliant um, uh, opportunities for growth. Because yep. clients know that you're going to screw up. They screw up. But yep. it's how you act. And so a lot of times businesses create a bigger problem by trying to make excuses. If you kind of you know, prostrate yourself in front of the customer and say, we did it, we did wrong, we screwed up, here are the seven things we did. Here is the infrastructure, as the word you've used, Lisa. Here's the infrastructure we put in place to make sure this will never happen again. And oh, by the way, when we put this infrastructure in place, we found out we can actually tackle more of your problems, and now that we know what you don't like, we're able to help you with all of this stuff. I think that's the key point. I think that's the key point, Dan, is that it's more than just that. It's now that you have your foot in the door and you have a relationship and you're building trust with this with this current customer. Is is now you have eyes and ears in the organization and you can identify other problems that you can help them solve, and that that just further expands your reach in an organization. Is that a fair statement, Lisa? That is such a fair statement, Todd. Absolutely, you guys are both 100% on it. <laughs> but we need a so Lisa, 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 talk to me about the 48-hour rule. We've got about three minutes left. I want to pepper you with some fast and furious questions. Talk to me about the 48-hour rule. You, you you use this a lot in your writing and your talking. What is the 48-hour rule? I do. I love. How does it help us? I've been talking about the 48-hour rule for 15 years. So uh, you know, at this point, I'm not sure. It might be like the 48 nanosecond rule. But uh, the 48-hour the, the rule is all about momentum. It's all about sense of urgency. It's all about accountability. And it's, it's in, in, in business, it's important, but in sales, it's really important. And, and so what is that sense of urgency that needs to occur? Is it 48 seconds? Is it 48 minutes? Is it 48 hours? Um, what is that sense of urgency to keep that sales cycle moving forward? Or in the case of building you know, expansion business to keep that momentum moving forward, just understanding what it is. Oh, go ahead. So so are you saying to me that I have to do all my follow-up in 48 hours? What? I'm saying to you that you should think about the sense of – instead, a lot of times people use a similar clock speed for everything. So, you know, they've got their systems in place, and everything kind of seems to sort of generally fall within those systems. And I'm saying specifically in sales – Every, there should be a thought given to what is the sense of urgency that's going to keep that momentum going forward. And it's interesting, too, not only do you have to think about it for yourself, you have to think about it for your client. So when you are expanding business with an existing client, I mean, and you're, you're in those meetings and there are action items, you know, what are the things that the client can do within a reasonable period so that they can feel that momentum and you're on the same page with identified projects. And so the 48 hour so, rule. So the goal here is to focus on momentum. I, I like this. Our, I, I like this, this, this bit of knowledge here. You're saying 48 hours. Yeah, 
it's probably you're right. Now I see why you said 48 nanoseconds because <laughs> times have changed. Uh, momentum is what you want. Um, you want to build and maintain. People are interested in stages in a funnel, but without momentum, uh, those stages really don't mean anything. Um, yep. uh, so you have to do it. Okay, uh, we've got uh, one more minute. I want to pack in another couple questions for you. In sales, you've been doing this for a couple decades. What do you see are the top set sales challenges today? Um, I think the top sales challenge today is, is differentiation and really focusing in on why. And it's, it's, you know, everybody's busy, so how do you differentiate yourself? And, you know, I just reviewed a, a RFI response for one of my clients yesterday, and, the, you know, from start to finish, it was all what. <laughs> you know, what they do, who, you know, who they are, what they provide. It was all the what instead of the why. You know, why... Yeah, and, and, and so I think that whole notion of differentiation, which, you know, is, we all understand, but it's hard to do it, and it's hard to make yes. that result. Um, that's so, a huge challenge. I, I think you're right. Uh, I, Todd and I talk about this all the time. Uh, Todd and I used to, Todd used to end every show saying treat people like human beings, and I think that's so so wildly true even for now. Um, Todd, tell us how people can find out more about you. Oh, they can find me at toddschnick.com and, and learn how I uh, help organizations be intrepid marketers. Yeah, Todd's always putting out e-books and all kinds of stuff um, and, and, and good pieces of content. Now, we left this conversation uh, 30 minutes in with a lot more that I want to know. Lisa, uh, where can we find out more about you? Uh, my website is, is toplinesales.com, and anybody can email me at lisa.magnuson, M-A-G-N-U-S-O-N, at comcast.net, and my ebook can be found on the Amazon Kindle site. Fantastic. Yeah, if they go to Topline Sales, as I did, uh, that will take them to the rest of the places where you are. Uh, you're on uh, on, on um, LinkedIn and, and all, the, all the places where you should be on, online, I guess. Uh, so you're there. Lisa, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, if you're listening in on the, on the call and want to know more, uh, I, I think we've just um, touched the tip of the iceberg. But for all of you who are getting six months into your sales plan and wondering where am I going to get the rest of the money by the end of the year, you might want to start cultivating things now. It takes time to do these three steps. I have notes here. I'm going to send you my notes after the show. I'll send you a link to the recording. As always, thank you for joining us. And I did want to share, as I do every month, the offer that uh, I extend to you. Um, Thompson Coburn has made a generous offer. If you're a business owner and you have a business problem and you need some help, um, send an email to conversations. Uh, at edgyconversations.com or, or just send me an email on danwalchman.com. You can find me there. And uh, we'll get you connected with Jeff Craven and his team at no charge. We do three people every month, and several of you email me, and I, you get some great service from, from Jeff. As always, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next month. Have a great month.